Hi, Marin. Episode Hello. six. Episode six. We're talking again. We're kicking about ass. stuff. I'm going to introduce this one because this is yeah. actually a question who came through uh, one of your uh, from one of your um, indie birth forum followers. Sweet. It's really about the role or how we've sort of imposed technology and some maybe I don't know nebulous metrics as a means of I would say coercing women to kind of go through with the stuff that the medical system wants them to go through with, um, in pregnancy and childbirth. So that's the the sort of grand theme then for mm. this talk. I'd love that. I'd love to, to hear more from you about is that is a how, grand theme. It is a grand theme, but I think at the, at the, the, the root of the problem here is that people don't realize number one, that they do have a choice that they have the right to refuse anything. Even if the doctor like me walks in, he's got his, his mohawk, his nose ring. And he, he says, I think you need a C-section. You as a patient have the right to say hell to the no, I'm not going to let you cut into my belly. Even if I am convinced that that baby's going to die. And so, you know, we can use our technology to say, look at the fetal heart rate tracing, look at the cord gases, look, look at, I mean, there's all these different things we've come up with over the past 50, 60 years in order to determine how was the baby doing in there. But this person in particular uh, has, you know, offered, why don't we just ask the mom how she and her baby are doing? Right. Which, you know, which I think a lot of people would be like, well, how is the mom supposed to know? Like, I don't know how the mom knows. The mom maybe doesn't always know. But the point being that this is not your your ship to drive doctor or midwife. This right. is really a conversation that has to take place. So there's a whole bunch of different directions we can go oh. here. What comes to mind first for you? What comes to mind first is that that's a beautiful question, but I feel like it's a little naive in that that is not the first time that someone should be asking that question. And maybe that's not what the person that posted this question meant. Um, so I guess when I hear that, I think, yeah, the mom should be the one that's connected to the baby, but to put her in that position at that moment in time when things are maybe going horribly downhill is probably not going to work the best. And she's not going to really be able to give that solid answer, which then leads to, you know, feeling all kinds of things about not knowing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's where my brain goes is just like, how do we support women in that connection from the beginning? And how do we, whether we're a doctor or a midwife, how do we turn the relationship around so that we're asking that question the whole pregnancy? Right. We're not just asking that at like this moment of terror. Right. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that a person's intuition is generally going to be very helpful. It's an, an important piece of, you know, a, a person, a specific data point that is maybe largely underappreciated. It doesn't, it isn't the whole picture. And in, in that moment, we can't just rely on that. But I had a friend recently who said he's having rectal bleeding and is really bad abdominal pain. And, um, he said, do you think I should go to the emergency room? And I was like, bro, if you're, if you're telling, if you're feeling afraid and you're not the type of person to go to the hospital, if you're feeling like it's, it's safer to be there, then go. Like, why would I, how could I possibly produce any rational reason not to go, you know? Right. Um, but the same goes for like, so we could flip this on its head. We could say, you know, maybe women aren't listening, maybe be women aren't being listened to enough. On the other hand, some women might, might say, I feel better going to the hospital 
And we try to talk them out of that because the hospital birth is the most evil thing in the world. That's also not true. So we have to like be able to, we have to be willing to, I think, ascertain when, you know, when do we need more information? Like, mom, how do you feel? And is this, you know, something, are you, are you afraid? Do you feel like we need to go? I feel like that is a part of the conversation that's probably being missed. Um, And then I think the flip side is that we're using some of these technologies in order to coerce an answer from a person that makes us feel better as the provider. You know what I mean? So it's like we're using that mm-hmm. technology, right, of, of, an, of a woman's intuition, either for or against them based on our own internal bias. That's kind of, that's kind of what I'm thinking, yeah. you know? Yeah, but even intuition is such a loaded topic. Like, I don't know that it is always easy to access that, especially in those moments, you know, in those like hardcore moments of, maybe a doctor standing in front of you saying, you know, this isn't looking good. Um, We want to do a C-section. Like at that moment to tune in can be hard. So is it fear? You know, does the person really know? It's really hard to say, you know, it's just really hard to get to that place at that moment. And I guess I've been there myself, you know, I've been sort of in a similar place where, you need to decide, like you need to make that choice and you do the best you can. Mm-hmm. But maybe in hindsight, it's more clear in a sense, right? It's like, Oh no, that was intuitive. I knew I needed that thing. Or, uh, I didn't really know just everybody was pressuring me and I did feel scared and I really was afraid my baby, you know, right. wouldn't live. So right. I did this right. thing. Yeah. I mean, and that's why we have so many medical technologies. We're trying to make this a very binary, very clear black and white sort of decision-making process. And one good example I can provide is I remember it was not when I was in residency, but there was a story from my residency attendings who talked about a woman who came in, had a totally normal looking tracing went up, but she felt like something wasn't right. She goes home, comes back and her, her baby has died. Like, who knows what the story is? There's a lot of, of unknown there. So we try to standardize our assessment and diagnostics and everything else in order to help make that decision-making better. But there's there's still those times when it's like, listen, all of my objective stuff looks fine. I'm not going to shoo you away. I feel like if you're telling me something doesn't feel right, maybe we need to monitor you for a little bit longer or whatever. Totally. You know, totally. So, so there is a role for technology. I mean, people love to... to to like, I don't know, they, they, they like to push that away, but like, there is a good reason that we have sure. some of these things. It's just a glimpse into the world of the utero-placental unit, right? It's not the whole thing. Sure. I, th- I think a, another important part of, of the conversation is how is the technology sometimes being misused in order to generate language that doesn't really give a patient the opportunity to refuse or to make mm-hmm. an informed decision? So an example, Marin, would be, oh gosh, you know, I mean, with your age and your, you know, some of the stuff I'm seeing in lab work makes me concerned that your baby might, you know, might, might not be safe in there. I think we should have a C-section. What do you think? Mm-hmm. So it's basically saying, do you want your, you know, like you don't want your baby to die, do you? Like, that's not a good use of this technology. The technology has its boundaries and its limitations And if I'm going to present it in an honest way, I have to give that information to you in a way that allows you to make an informed decision and to exercise your right to refuse the treatment. If you decide, hey, I, I, I don't think 
I'm going to take that approach, you know? Mm. Um, so it's a but tricky people thing. Would, I mean, people meaning like care providers would have mm-hmm. to be more open to the unknown That's and right. like the humble reality that even though I'm seeing this result on this piece of paper, right. you know, there's a humility to like, I don't, hundred percent know what that means. I'm mm-hmm. sharing that this mm-hmm. is the number, mm-hmm. but here are the possibilities mm-hmm. and here's the place where this could be wrong or, you know, so. That's exactly right. Yeah. Like yeah, you're exactly I right. guess I understand, you know, maybe legally or whatever, like why things are presented the way they are, but there needs to be more humility <laughs> in the unknown and, you know, covering your ass. Yes, I mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think offering the woman that piece too, you know, and here's what I've seen. And right, here's the um, experiential piece. And those won't have to be like roses and unicorn stories. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you have a story kind of on both sides of the fence. Um, I've seen it go this way. And like you said, sometimes everything looks fine right. and it's not. So just those simple facts that we don't actually know. <laughs> we need yeah, to talk And for about us to that. pretend like we have all the answers is number one, it's not fun no. <laughs> to have the pressure to be that person. <laughs> yeah, I don't like being that person. Like, I don't know. No, so let's let, here's what I think. I don't know. Right. Um, I, I, was, I was telling you before we started recording, like I review lawsuits all the time of women who say they feel like they've been, oh. they felt like rape. They held me down and forced me oh, out of the vaginal like so exam terrible. because the baby doesn't, we don't think the baby's doing well. Well, like that's still not a reason for us to insert ourselves in a place where we haven't been given consent. You know, on the other hand, there's, there's guys like Brad Boots Taylor. He was an MD in Georgia who, um, lost, he didn't lose his privileges, but he was not, his privileges were not renewed because of the way he was practicing there. And he wasn't doing anything unsafe. Um, coincidentally that, that, that event happened, um, around the time he released a book entirely about the topic of shared medical decision-making in maternity oh, cool. care. And the book is great. I read through it. He, he actually asked me to read it before he published. And, um, and like his whole thing is this, it's the, sort of the same thing I do with palliative care around chemo treatment. Like mm. I wouldn't say, Hey, you got to get treatment. I mean, this is what actually is presented. Like if you don't get chemo, you're going to die. Well, am I going to die anyways? And is the chemo going to make my time from now until right. when I die sick? Because that's right. an important piece of the, the right. conversation. The same Can't goes for maternity out. care. Yeah. There's not a right answer here. And so I think I think I think a woman's feelings like preeclampsia is a really great one. A woman comes in, she's young, she's healthy, just like you, and she feels like something's not right, but like, hey, everything looks okay. She's probably somebody that needs a little bit more monitoring. It could be yeah, something that's attention. creeping up. Something totally. is developing, but it's not quite there based on your strange parameters that your lab has set totally. normal hemoglobin or whatever. Right. So, so it's just a piece like, it, you know, a woman's feelings about what's happening is totally important. It's not the entire thing. You bring your expertise as a provider, as a, as a birth attendant, who's attended hundreds of births, you bring that into the picture. And then, I mean, it's what I always say, you provide as much information as you can, you let them make their decision and then you support them in their decision. And then you reassess when new information becomes available. Yeah. Yeah. And what about intuition on the part of the caregiver? You know, we're part of that. It's a great point. And, you know, and again, it's not always rosy. Like I think sometimes when intuition comes in, people think that that means that everything's always okay, you know, when you're accessing your intuition. But I can think of a birth years ago, first birth, kind of went on for a while. I don't remember all the details, but pretty far from a hospital. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, 
I just knew something was wrong, right? Like something just didn't feel right about this. So we made the long trek to the hospital, we got there, and they were very nice. And and the doctor who was there, um, kind of at first was like, why are you why are you guys here? You know, everything looks okay. And I said, I don't know, just something. And minutes later, her water's open, there was thick meconium, things kind of went downhill really fast. And, you know, yeah, it was good. We're there. And I don't really know what that was all about. So um, and I'm not saying that to like paint myself as some kind of hero. I'm saying in the relationship of and with women, I think that's something for them to think about too. Like, do I trust this caregiver? You know, if they have an intuitive read on something, um, am I willing to listen or is it only my intuition? Because right. there's tools and technology, but then there are these other skills that we act like are subpar, but they're not, of course. Yeah. I mean, it, I couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think that, you know, in in our sort of like materialistic reductionist view of the way that the human experience plays out, I think that we've gotten further and further from the truth that we are spiritual beings. And I don't mean that we, you know, must pray to some man in the clouds or whatever, you you know, the Christian or other Abrahamic religions have professed for years. What I do mean is that when you go and sit in nature, for example, you feel something. There's a something ener- there's energetics there. There's something important to why you're here in that moment for this purpose. And if you're able to be free enough from distractions, you might even start to understand how the stars and the planets move across the sky, mm. like people did hundreds of years ago before we had smartphones in our faces and everything. <laughs> so so this is this is not to say like I would never compare myself to you because I think that you are um, you even have a you know witchery witch, witchery one one class that you're promoting right now. You have certain things that you're in tune with, and it, I think that has actually helped you um, tender that that course in pregnancies. And even your intuition has brought you to the hospital before. You don't know why, but there's some gestalt that you get about what might be right or what might be wrong for that moment, and there is something to that. I think. I think when you talk about a provider's intuition, whether it be a midwife, a nurse, a physician, whatever, and a or a doula for that matter, because doulas right. are very intuitive people, I think, almost by nature in many cases, and that's kind of what drew them to that to that role. But you pr- compare that intuition to somebody who's in this exciting, probably very scary for many people experience of childbirth. It, we don't know if like the intuition's being clouded on the side of the patient. It's your it's your responsibility to then provide your gestalt as to like, I don't know, guys, this just feels okay. Like I think she's gonna be fine. And I bet if you're really, really paying attention to those to that decision making process in your heart as a provider, you're probably gonna realize that more often than not, you're probably right. I mean, you're, you're, there's probably something to the reason that you don't want her to go home right away, or you want her to come back for a repeat whatever ultrasound tomorrow or whatever it is on the hospital side or, or, you know, for a, a home birth or a, a home birth clinician just to be going more frequently to their home because there's just something that doesn't feel right. You know, um, there is that. And, and we, we owe that to our patients on top of being able to utilize technology appropriately and responsibly. Um, we owe it to them to also be able to sit with this, mm. sit with the silence and really kind of feel our way through it sometimes. And that's, that's the art. That's why people say it's an art, not a science. That's really totally. what this is. 
again, you're an oddball. Like you are, you are that person that's considering those things, you know? So I don't even know what my question is, but like in the training of doctors in that setting, how can that be helped? Like how, I mean, is it just this conversation that maybe people that work in that setting are like, oh yeah, it's not crazy to consider that's a piece. Like I've got my, you know, fetal monitor, Mm -hmm. I've got all the Mm -hmm. things, but like I, as a human, I, as a person, you know, I'm allowed to feel the things I do and to like have that factor in, you know, like, why is that so crazy? Could that be a part of medical care? Because that would be, I mean, it is for people like you, but like on a, on a mass scale, that would be amazing. I appreciate that. I mean, that's super complimentary coming from somebody like you. And I I think that, um, I think like the double threat of being a trained, like a true scientist, you know, we talked a little bit about critical Mm. thinking in one of our past episodes, um, around the coronavirus and all that other stuff. Like the, the purpose of science is an exploration of truth. But the only thing that I know for, for true is what I'm experiencing right now. Like that's the Mm. only real truth. And yeah. it's not, I'm not That's talking beautiful, about my, though. it That's, is, it, it, yeah. I, I don't know how you engender that within physicians. I think women make better physicians for that reason. I think women actually, of course, they're highly, they're as intelligent as men. They're also, they tend to be a little bit more intuitive. And so instead of just looking at the imaging and the lab results and then going and tapping on the patient and saying like, oh, she's fine. I, I think that, that women tend to sit and just process it a little bit more, you know, a little differently. And that makes you guys great doctors on the other hand and midwives for that matter. And I, I don't mean to just make this about physicians because there's a yeah, lot of midwives out there that just want to look at lab work and totally, and I know it's and, not and I'm, yeah, and I'm, I don't want to criticize that. I think that it's important that midwives are doing that work. In fact, if you're not doing that work, then you're maybe a little bit too one-sided and you're not bringing enough of, sure, the, sure. of the data in. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think men make great nurses for that reason. Like just, do the orders, just carry out the orders, do your task guy. (laughs) And if if you can marry those two, that's where you get like this beautiful, like real relationship with your patient where you get to really understand who they are. And I I don't think we train doctors to do that. Um, It's been my own, it's been my own path and it has not been a popular one for many of my mentors (laughs) or many of my, my supervisors. So, yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And I'm so grateful that, you are on your path. I think it's so inspiring, at least I hope it is for, you know, particularly the medical people that might just have that little inkling that this is a piece of the puzzle. And, right. you know, uh, speaking of books, just to throw out a resource if people don't know, um, Robbie Davis Floyd is brilliant. She's a birth anthropologist. She has a great book called Birth as an American Rite of Passage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a must read. I'm sure you've read it. Um, she's, just our, a, she's our official sponsor for the show, Robbie David Floyd. Hey, she should be. <laughs> she should be. But she talks about ritual. Um, she also has some newer, newer stuff. In fact, we have a webinar from her in one of our courses called 13 Moons. And it's called um, intuition as authoritative knowledge. And, oh, you know, it's awesome. just, yeah. yeah, it's so like, and even for people like us that know this is a thing, and we kind of incorporate it, um, I guess, just to feel, you know, validated and in using that as a piece. And so that goes for women, it goes for doctors, it goes for all of us to just consider it as 
part of the decision making process. I don't know how we got to. I mean, maybe I made this about intuition. Sorry if that's no, not I, what I, it was needed to no, be. No, that's about. what the question was about. It's like technology versus intuition. Like that right. is, but like it's a perfect blend of the two. That that like that's how you live your life. You don't drive your car with your eyes closed, just letting God to take the wheel. <laughs> I mean, at least I don't. It didn't work in Fight Club when uh, Edward Norton did it. So, um, um, you know, I, I mean, the same goes like people people think that this is woo woo. This isn't woo woo. It's like there's a reason you 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 like you feel weird um and there's like somebody looking at you from across the way like there there is like there is more to this than just this physical experience of my feet on the ground and my hands waving through the air so so there is something to it it's not the entire picture so i i don't know if it's the ultimate authority i would probably push back on that i do think it's a big i think it's important that we talk about it and that we accept it though as a part of the information collection, you know, before we, we make recommendations or, or engage in shared decision-making. Totally. And for some people, of course, it is the ultimate authority, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't know that either of us fall into that category, but I think that's valid too, you know, just like science is for some people. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. I've done a lot of spiritual journeying through, you know, plant medicines, et cetera. Um, I'll leave it at that. And there are some people that can do that unprovoked sitting right here on the train or whatever, like they can travel, they can mm. remote view, they can do these things. And I know people that do it and they do it with, they do it, they do it. It's just something people can do. People are mediums. People can, can straddle dimensions. Like people can do that stuff and that's okay. Like that makes this cool, but that's not me. And that's no. maybe not even you. <laughs> no, I mean, um, so I have to rely on some other, some other information gathering. So, Yeah, I feel the same. You be you. I'll be me. You do you. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) Everybody do do themselves. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) And on that note, episode six is a wrap. That's it. Cut. (laughs) Bye.